Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Welcome back to F11. Yes, that's right. Double digits. Oh, wait. Well, I guess we hit double digits already. <laughs> yeah, that was last week. That's okay. Anyways, so how did you guys like the tin? The yeah. neon tin? Yeah, let us know your thoughts on the neon sign because we thought it was kind of <laughs> comical. It was the most hilarious. Like, I don't think 11 going to work out that way. <laughs> well, we just need to contact, you know, who? Yeah. Amazon. Taylor sends me this fucking screenshot of this ad on Amazon. She's like, dude. I'm like, what? She's like, Amazon's using our LED signs, our neon numbers. numbers. I'm like, oh, my God. So who owns Amazon? What's his name? Oh, God. Oh, what's his name? Um, oh, I'm going to. Wait a room music. Sorry to hit you with that so fucking quick in <laughs> the like episode. 40 Jack Bezos, or what is his last name? Bezos? Yeah, you said it right. Yeah, dude, give us your numbers, Jeff, or and I will save you some conspiracies about yourself. Because <laughs> there's your some girl. shit out there about you, sir. So, so give us our neon numbers back. No wonder we can't else. find 10. Or else. You don't need it. You're a billionaire. Give us our numbers back. I'm like looking. It's like Black Friday specials 2020. I'm like, hmm, those neon numbers look really, really familiar. Damn Amazon. Over it. Can't handle it. Anyways, we want to dedicate this episode to Sarah Grace. She, it was her birthday a few days ago. Happy birthday, Sarah Grace. Happy birthday. She has no idea we're doing this. So, um, hope you're okay with that. Yeah. Uh, hi. <laughs> happy I didn't birthday. say your last name. Yeah, so uh, thank you so much. And also, while we have you here, you just got here, please rate, review, subscribe, download Love everything. Follow us on Instagram at Creeps and Crimes Podcast and our personals at Taylor J with an A and at morgue.m with the double the G. Double the G, baby. Um, if you have a creepy account, send that shit in to Creeps and Crimes Podcast at gmail.com. Taylor. Yes. Tell me what you've been up to lately. So, I feel like it's been years since we were in here. No. No. Guys, (laughs) I was ready for a break. We needed a break. We lived in this damn room last week. Not even last week. The last three weeks. We were doing bonus episodes. Creepy counts. Taylor's like, we need to get 12 episodes out right now. No, that's an exaggeration. But I'm like, yes, ma'am. Okay, I will. Okay, Captain. Here I am. But yeah, we, we lived in here for a minute, and then I, I kind of got, like, 
separation anxiety from this mic and and all, now we're back <laughs> and Maybe i was all sad i texted you like on what, saturday and i was like should we record tonight is it time to go back yet? <laughs> i miss it anyways um this week i went and i got tattoos let's go <laughs> this yes. is my first tattoo ever and i got two what'd you get um i got an e and it's because i went in to go get the word enjoy um for my pop pop put on my arm and when I got in there and she printed out the whole word enjoy I was like absolutely not um I'll just take an e his name was Eddie so that worked out perfectly mm-hmm. sweet and it just means a lot to me it's really tiny and no one even has to know what's there but I'm telling you guys, my mic is rocking right it's because now. this table is shaking guys oh. we have a new setup oh yeah we got a okay wait setup. tell us about your tattoos okay. then we'll talk about okay. it okay so and then I got a wishbone and it's just for good fortune, and I think it looks so cute, and it's in gray. And yes, I love that. Yeah, I like that it's in gray, but I literally got them last night, and I called my mom 15 minutes before I got them, and she's probably really mad at me, but... Like every mother is. Right, and but I just, I, I, out of respect for her and my father, I never got one, because they just, they don't really, I mean, they have their own tattoos, but they just... You know, they just would prefer me not to have them because she literally formed every single cell that I am in her stomach. And so I understand it. And, you know, I called her before I went. I was like, I'm calling you out of respect because I love you. I want to tell you I'm getting one and um, you don't have to be okay with it. I'm just going to do it. Like, I have a degree. I have a job and I'm married and I love you, but I'm just calling you out of respect. And mom was like sad. She's probably still sad at me. She's going to be pissed when she hears this. And then um, (laughs) dad was like, no way you got a tattoo. And so then he was like, well, I'm proud of you for being brave, honey. <laughs> so, I'm glad you got that needle in your arm. Oh, that sounds really inappropriate. <laughs> I got a tattoo my sophomore year, and I got it because um, my roommate had been going through some shit. We were one day, we were just like, actually the both of us, we were just like, you know what? Let's go get a fucking tattoo. This will mm-hmm. cheer us up. It was my first tattoo ever. So I got my tattoo, and I hid it from my parents for Four months, honestly. And then we went to the beach. And I forgot about it. And they're like, what's that? I'm like, what's what? They're (laughs) like, what's that? I'm like, henna. They're like, yeah, right. And the whole entire time, my younger brother, he's like, I'm telling mom you got a tattoo if you don't do this for me. I'm like, Marshall. Marshall. (laughs) Not you, Mitchell, sorry. He's like, I'm telling mom. I'm like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) I'll fucking bite you. So anyway, yeah, my mom was like, oh, it's cute, honey. But like, yeah, she was pissed at first. She always told us never to get a tattoo. And then, but my older sister, she always does everything first. So I just like never get like, that I never get like the initial like pissed off reaction. <laughs> so like you just covered it for Lola. I and covered Phoebe, it for Lola and Phoebe. But my sister covers it for me, and my dad, of course. If you go talk to, you're out of here. But yeah, he he warmed up to it. Yeah. And then he's like, <laughs> actually, he didn't know. I think I hid it from him on that beach trip. I think when my mom saw it, I was like, don't tell dad. And we didn't tell dad for a hot minute. I think. <laughs> But yeah, anyway. But yeah. It's tatted, y'all. When I got it, y'all, I like was completely fine. Didn't hurt. I've had my eyebrows tattooed and and I've got like laser hair removal and like I didn't even flinch during those. And then I go to get this. It didn't hurt at all. Everybody was like, it's going to literally hurt so bad. I go and I get it and it didn't hurt at all. And I walked out and I just started like sobbing. And I'm like, why am I crying? And I was just so proud of myself because... My biggest fear in life in general is just people being disappointed in me and just not even what people think. It's mainly just like my parents, like I always want them to be so proud of me. And so I work my ass off to make sure that like 
you know, I'm doing, I'm being appreciative of everything mm-hmm. that they've done for me. And, you know, I was a first generation college student. So I'm the first person in my family to get a college degree. And I, that means a lot to me. And so I did everything I was supposed to do so I could do the things that I want to do. Right. And so now it's all paying off. So you guys can be mad at me, but I love you anyways. And I respect for the reason that you're mad, but I'm proud of myself. So yay. I get it. Yes. Yay, yay, yay. Yep. So what did you do this week? Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I went to the football game. Uh, <laughs> what else did I do? You decorated your apartment. Oh, yeah. I went, I went and splurged yesterday, and I got a Christmas tree, and I got some Christmas tree decorations, and I got some other Christmas decorations. And then last night at 11, I was like, okay, well, I'm not sleeping, so I'll just bite the bullet and drink um, two cups of coffee. And I drank two cups of coffee, and then next thing I know, I was up till 3 a.m., Putting all the clothes things. away in my closet. Yeah, just morning things. I only get shit done in the middle of the night. So. Only. Never during the day. You we can would, count on me on my ass. <laughs> we would wake up and Morgan's like, I didn't sleep last night. <laughs> I didn't go to sleep till five. I'm like, why? She's like, I just had to redo my entire room. Come look at my shoes. They're so nice. They're like, what? you know how they do it like in the professionals. And it's like, one's forward, one's backwards. One's forward, one's backwards. I'm like, Jesus Christ, go to I get bed. these like bursts of energy in the middle of the night. I'm like, I gotta do something. So that's what happened last night. But I'm working on my sleep schedule. Morgan, so. I don't know if you saw, but we had a new review. Oh, shit. And it's really good. Okay. It's really good. And I'm, I want to read it because it was so sweet. And I hope it encourages you guys to go give us a nice review just like this person did. Read it, read it, read and it. Reviews always scare me. Especially <laughs> after lack of detail, zero stars. I'm like, okay, dude. Okay, thanks so much for your unwanted Next. opinion. Yeah, okay. You should have listened to our 10th episode, not our first one. Don't know what to tell you. Um, but we got a new review, and it is from SGCNC underscore big fan. And the title of it is Team Both Because I Can't Decide. And it says, I'm an avid podcast listener. And when I saw that Taylor's on Taylor's Snapchat and Instagram post that they were starting a new podcast, I just had to check it out. I'm now addicted to Creeps and Crimes podcast. It's fun and easy to listen to, and there's always a twist. These women do such an amazing job engaging listeners and making you feel like you're in the living room with them. And what's more fun than listening about creeps and crimes with a glass of wine? Love you, ladies. Keep it up. Keep up the great work. Can't wait to tune in again next week. That's so nice. Yeah, yeah, she can't read. Um, That's so nice. Thank you to whoever. Let us know who you are. We really appreciate that. And it made me feel a lot better. And it made me cry when I read it. Yeah, because we we needed that. We needed that. And sorry about my phone going off. That was just Harry Potter telling me that my magic wand is full. She is an avid gamer. Yeah, if I have, you know how everyone has like a quirky like, characteristic to them. Yeah. Well, mine is gaming. Hers is edgy gamer chick. And I love games. Yeah, but so. What are you drinking? Tell me what you're drinking. Um, right now, melted ice. Oh. <laughs> me too. <laughs> we but, started already one. Well, we got to talking because me and Morgan really haven't even spoke since uh, Sunday morning. Like, very minimal have we talked since yeah. then. It's only Tuesday, but... We, <laughs> we haven't lot. talked in one whole day. So it we was don't really lie. hard on us. We used to live together. What do you expect? But, um, yeah, I am drinking, or I was drinking. We're both drinking because yeah, I she just made, it, made it. It's um, the 
blackberry lime Corona seltzer with a shot of vodka and then however much cranberry juice it needed to make it not so bitter. And then I topped it off with the grapefruit seltz. Yummy. Next time, let's add two shots. All right, I'm about to go make another one before well, we get started. So she, I walked in and she goes, "All right, this is the first thing she asks me every single time. All right, what do you want to drink?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And she goes, "Straight vodka." And I'm like, well, "I was gonna say nothing tonight, but I guess you wouldn't have liked that answer." So yeah, straight vodka's great. <laughs> straight vodka. Then she go. comes out with these, and we just fucking down them. So let's yep. down some more, and hopefully by the end of the episode, we'll be falling off our seats. Hopefully. That's my goal tonight. That's the goal. I got that energy She right might now. need to sleep in my pile of laundry that's directly <laughs> behind me. Oh, wait. We, we were going to ta- start talking about our new setup. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We got okay. carried okay. away. You, you go. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys. So right now, you're looking at a white marble table with gold brass legs. And in the center, you have a gold table tray with a book and some sage and two cute candles Target sponsor us. One is Pisces and one is Cancer. Mm. So cute. And we have so much new stuff coming in the studio for when we start recording. And you guys are going to fucking shit the bed because this shit's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. I just ordered our chairs, our new chairs today. And they are literally the the like... If there was a picture of our, our aura, it's the chairs. And so, and then there's really a is. special touch that will be ordered soon. But I've, I've, I'm a procrastinator. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited about it. Anyways, you ready to... Oh, yeah. How long have we been rambling? Uh, 12 minutes. Oh, Jesus. They hate okay. Us. Yeah, guys, really sorry about that. Um, If you are driving, throw that shit on cruise control. You got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Yes. Did we just waste 12 minutes of your life? Absolutely. Are you ready to hear the stories? Yes. Morgan, what be. do you have for us? All right, guys. So today, I'm going off course. No paranormal, no conspiracy. Well,. Mm, arguable it was a conspiracy at first during the time but this shit is real Real, it is confirmed it is factual information so i will be covering mk ultra Um, this is the name the cia gave to their own mind control experiments they performed on citizens in 1953 until 1973. Correct yourself, 2020. 20, 2020. <laughs> you may know it as Project Bluebird. Yeah. My sources are intelligence.senate.gov, Wikipedia, thoughtco.com, the History Channel, and the lovely CIA.gov. So, this stemmed from the Cold War. On August 30th, 1949, the citizens of America read in their morning newspaper that the Russians had their own atomic bomb. This caused chaos, because until then, the United States was the only country to possess such a weapon. But the chaos didn't come from the fact that they had it. It's how they got it. Russian spies. These spies were infiltrated into the United States, and this kicked off the Cold War. I just want to point out... So many conspiracies, including extraterrestrials, all started around the Cold War. Cold War. Like, Roswell, New Mexico, they're like, yeah, Cold War. Oh, yeah, you are right. Like, there's so many things that tie back to 
1950s, which is very weird. That is weird. Anyway, during this time, the Central Intelligence Agency created an insane scheme, and that was what if you could control people's minds? What if we could control Russian spies' minds? As in, they would work for us and not even know they were working for us. And this idea, or this scheme, started MKUltra. This project was aimed to produce the perfect truth drug for interrogating suspected Soviet spies. In 1953, mm. Alan Dulles, who was the director of the CIA, initiated the program. They had three reasons as to why this project would be beneficial to our country's defense. Reason one, the U.S. intelligence learned Russia had been testing a drug called bulbocapnine. This <laughs> bulbocapnine, I might have said it funny. No, it's okay. This drug was said to affect the willpower of a person, allowing them to extract information from the subject. Reason two, during the Korean War, North Korea used LSD as an interrogation method of U.S. prisoners of war. And the third reason is that the U.S. no longer had a monopoly on nuclear weapons, the atomic bomb, for example. And they wanted new methods to influence leaders and extract information. At the time, the CIA was under extreme paranoia. They had believed a Russian mole had penetrated the highest level of the intelligence agency. So... MKUltra was top secret. The citizens of the United States had no knowledge of the government's inhumane project, only speculation from stories of those who had reported it, aka conspiracy, until 1974 when Seymour Hersh wrote about it in the New York Times. MKUltra was headed by Sidney Gottlieb, G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B, but was under order of CIA Director Alan Dulles. This was signed off on April 13, 1953 by both people. So, what was MKUltra? Do you know anything about this? No, this is my first time hearing about it. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I knew about Project Bluebird from the whole Andrew Basiago thing mm -hmm. that I've been obsessed with for about a year now. Yeah. But I didn't know about MKUltra. It's, it's relatively. It's relatively the same, but I never knew that it got, like, proven. Yeah, there's proof. Anyway, so, this operation involved techniques like electroshocks, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, administration of high doses of psychoactive drugs, psychoactive drugs, including LSD and other chemicals, as well as other forms of torture. All of these activities were illegal, yes, but what made it most inhumane is the fact that this was tested on United States and Canadian citizens who were unwitting test subjects. As in, they didn't sign off on this. These subjects had no knowledge of what was going to be happening or had given their own consent. So, the CIA funded different organizations through grants. These organizations included penitentiaries, penitentiaries universities, hospitals, and they often targeted citizens who could not fight back. So, that's on quotes. Could not fight back is quoted. That's fucked up. Um, the majority of this project was focused on LSD-25. The purpose of LSD was to bring out deep confessions or wipe a subject's mind completely. And then reprogram them as what they would call a robot agent. So, again, this was just their under their own assumption. It was for... These Russian spies, they wanted to wipe their minds. They wanted to have them work for them without knowing so. 
So LSD was administered to patients with mental illness. It was administered to prisoners, drug addicts, and sex workers. The longest administration of LSD was to a patient in a hospital with a mental illness. This was in Kentucky, and this patient was administered LSD for 174 days. What is up with Kentucky? Adam and Eve, out of the hole there. What the was cave. The, other thing? the hollow earth theory. Um, you, we said something, and you're like, in Kentucky, and I was like, I mean, where Adam and Eve came out? Oh, my God. What was it? What was our last topic? I, I honestly, God, couldn't tell What was our last episode? <laughs> what was our last episode about? Um, what did I fucking talk about? I, I literally have no idea. Pause. Oh, <laughs> dear David. Dear David. But it was the one before that, which was Salem. Salem, which We talked about something that had to do with Kentucky. Yeah, we or did. Or was I saying that they're going to be pissed off when they find out that they're not witches, but because Adam and Eve came out of the tunnel in Kentucky. Yeah, that's what you said. That's what I said. That's what she said. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, so the longest LSD administered was for 174 days, and that shit was in Kentucky. Um, LSD was also given to CIA employees, military personnel, doctors, and subjects from general public to study reactions. Again, anybody that was studied under MKUltra was not aware of the actual purpose and what was going to happen. So Dr. Sidney Gottlieb realized that there was a difference in administering the drug in a laboratory setting versus a normal setting. So he set out a whole entire new purpose to MKUltra, and he decided that he wanted to give it to people without warning in a neutral environment, as in I drug Taylor's drink and give her LSD, and I take note of that. Sir, that's called date rape. Date date rape. (laughs) Yeah, that is called fucking fucked up is what it's called. date rape, friend. So a little story um, or a few examples of that. A CIA operative was administered LSD in his morning coffee without knowledge. He became psychotic for years afterwards. Trigger warning. Just want to let you guys know. Um, an army chemist named Frank Olson was dosed by his CIA supervisor. Nine days later, he committed suicide by jumping out of a 13-story window in his New York City hotel room. This was a result of deep depression induced by the LSD, according to the CIA. Prior to getting dosed, he he approached people above him, stating that this project was inhumane, and he questioned the project, and he had even asked to resign from the CIA just a few days before he had jumped out of the window. Okay, so... So... I'm just going to write his name down, and maybe we'll do another case on him. Yeah. Frank Olson. Is this going to be like a Ray Rivera type case? <laughs> Something's up with that, that's yeah, for sure. That's off. That's um, all right. Heroin addicts were bribed into taking the LSD, and they were told that they would receive more heroin if they would fall into the study. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, this is our our CIA, our United States government, telling heroin addicts, we'll give you more heroin if you take our LSD. I know everybody in Pennsylvania right now is like, you know, like that's something in y'all's area. Like, yes. really big. Like, I never grew up knowing a lot about heroin, heroin usage other than like the D.A.R.E. program that would come to our school. Right. And like, luckily, no, never it's like in our backyard. To me. Yeah. And it's like really close to you. Yeah. That's crazy. It's fucked up. Um, you should do a case on that or like a study on that soon. Yeah, I will. Um, 
This is interesting too. A sub project of MK Ultra called Operation Midnight Climax. This was when the CIA set up their own brothels in agency warehouses in San Francisco. A lot of this took place in San Francisco. I want to add, um, the men who went to these brothels were dosed with the LSD. And since they set up these brothels, the CIA had put one-way mirrors in every room. They recorded these men and viewed the recordings later on in the study. So I'm assuming they recorded these men that were drugged with LSD fucking women. Right. It's fucked up. Um, CIA employees, U.S. military personnel and other agents who were expected as Russian moles were interrogated via LSD. You, can you imagine? I mean, at the time, this is like serious paranoia in our intelligence agency. Yeah. Do you imagine? Can you imagine how many people who were innocent and were not Russian moles were pulled and interrogated with these it's like tactics? Salem witch trials. Exactly. Part two. Yeah. I mean, that shit's still happening today. Right. Other drug-induced studies involved morphine, heroin, temazepam, mescaline, psilocybin, scope. Scopolamine, sorry, alcohol and sodium pentanol, pet pedothal. Sorry, guys, do not kill me. I should really know these words, but it didn't stop with the drugs. Subjects were patients were subject to hypnosis while on the drugs. Um, hypnosis is real. Yeah, absolutely. for people that don't believe in it, I completely believe that it's real. Oh, for sure. Have you ever been hypnotized? I did like a cruise thing and Mm -hmm. you know they get up and you and i swear to god i was if i wasn't hypnotized then i was just like in a trance that was like like i was like i have no choice but to listen to this man granted i was in seventh grade so it's kind of a foggy memory but that's what makes me think i was i remember i I genuinely think that our government has average americans hypnotized with the trigger word and when that word is told to them they go do some crazy thing and then they go to court and they're like it wasn't me and they pass polygraph polygraphs they pass all this shit because they're fucking hypnotized they like literally they had no idea do it to do it. our dirty work their and dirty work they get also, average americans to do their dirty work also um like you know those celebrity cases where it's like all of our celebrities are either cloned or they're hypnotized and mm-hmm. we watched the thing about like cardi b and all those people which yeah. morgan will do that eventually but that one's yeah crazy. this is this is that's another reason why i wanted to touch on this i'll, I'll kind of talk about it a little bit more at the end but um So they use amnesia while their patients were under the influence of drugs like LSD in order to observe hypnotically induced anxieties. So they were purposely giving patients anxiety. Like, what the fuck? That's terrible. This is where it gets a little bit crazier. Um, It gets crazier than this? Yeah. And then I have testimonies. No wonder you were up till 3 a.m. I was just doing my closet. <laughs> a British psychiatrist named Donald Ewan Cameron was recruited by the CIA. Prior to being recruited, he was working on curing schizophrenia. The CIA sent him research funds through front organizations. And this would just be like, you know, the Department of Mental Illness. Like, th- that's how it came through. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't like United States Central Intelligence Agency gives you $2 million right. to fund your project. Yeah, those lights are kind of weird over there. Um, but Donald Cameron said that he did not know the money came from the CIA. He had no knowledge that this was from the CIA, which I don't believe whatsoever. No. 
So, Donald Cameron was known for the psychic driving concept. This consisted of putting subjects in drug-induced comas for weeks to sometimes months. So he would, if I, if I went to him for depression, mm-hmm. he would put me in a coma for up to months. And he would play tape loops of noises or just repetitive statements like boom, 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 like something like that. Um, he would administer this treatment to patients who came in for minor issues such as anxiety or postpartum depression. This resulted in permanent damage to those patients, amnesia, forgetting how to talk, even forgetting their parents and their family, sometimes forgetting who they even were. Oh, my God. Torture. Absolute torture. Um, the CIA went on to create secret detention camps in Japan, Germany, and the Philippines. This is so that the United States could avo- avoid criminal prosecution. They captured those who were suspected as enemy agents and interrogated them while using psychoactive drugs electroshock, sensory isolation, and even exposure of extreme temperatures, both cold and hot. During the government, so this is kind of like wrapping it up, during the government wide panic caused by Watergate, um, CIA Director Richard Helm ordered all MKUltra files to be destroyed in 1973, which they were, except for 20,000 documents that were stored incorrectly in a financial records building and had been and have been recovered. Oh my god. So they fucked up. Thank God. But like for you to know, like destroy these files. Like you know that's fucked up. Like how often does that shit happen today? I'm not done yet. So well, it happens a lot. <laughs> so I'm gonna just read some stories of those who were involved in Project MK Ultra. These stories are from CIA.gov, Listverse, and YouTube. The first one is Witty Bulger. Um Witty Bulger was an infamous gangster who was in federal prison in Atlanta. He was exposed to LSD testing in exchange for a lighter sentence. For 18 months, he was administered LSD. He wrote in his own personal notebook that had been recovered that he had horrible LSD experiences followed by thoughts of suicide and deep depression. He feared to tell anyone of his visual and auditory hallucinations because he believed he would be thrown into an insane asylum for the rest of his life. He had even written in his notebook, quote, I was in prison for committing a crime, and yet I feel they committed a worse crime on me. He was so enraged, he strongly considered tracking down Dr. Carl Pfeiffer, who was the overseer of the program in the federal prison. And Witty Bulger's goal by tracking down this doctor was assassination. Like, he felt like he needed to kill this man. Oh, my God. Um, The next story is about... I don't know if I'm saying this right, Zal Orlico, Z-A-L is her first name. Um, she was suffering from depression, and she was recommended to see Dr. Cameron. I mean, a lot of people were recommended to see Dr. Cameron in Canada. He was the leading psychiatrist in the country. Um, she was administered massive doses of LSD that destroyed her mental health. Orlico says that he injected her with LSD into the vein. LSD straight into the vein. Oh, my God. Um, She said, quote, he patted me on the shoulder and said, now there, Lassie, we'll see you later. And he went out and closed the door. Well, that pisses me off with a pet name in general. So, hi, Doc. Please don't ever call me that. Yeah, and get your fucking ass back out in here and fucking fix me. Nothing bothers me more than pet names. Well, now there, Lassie. 
Um, Mrs. Orlico read a newspaper report that talked about the CIA funding, CIA funding of mind control experiments, and she suspected that she was one of the victims. This is years later. Oh, my God. Um, her husband, who was, like, up in, like, the jurisdiction of, like, Canadian government, helped find eight other people who were subject to Dr. Cameron and the CIA's testing. All eight others went in for minor treatment like anxiety and depression, and they received electroshock therapy psychic driving, which is the induced coma for months, um, something called Cure Rare, which brought temporary paralysis, and treatment of LSD, which led to terrifying hallucinations. Um, my final one, which is honestly the most fucked up, is, well, they're all fucked up, but this was um, a U.S. Marshal named Wayne Ritchie. So Wayne was a deputy U.S. Marshal and veteran of the Marine Corps. During a holiday party with other federal officers, he was unknowingly dosed with LSD. He was dosed by Ira Feldman, a CIA agent involved in MKUltra. Richie quoted during a sworn deposition in court that Feldman said, You just sit back and let them worry, like this nitwit Richie. He continued on that he was targeted because he, quote, deserved to suffer. While exposed to LSD, he began to act erratically, as anyone would, and was overwhelmed with anxiety. He had just, prior to the party, he had just had an argument with his girlfriend who said that she wanted to move away from San Francisco. While still under LSD, Richie robbed a bar while armed with his government-issue revolver in order to get money to, for a plane ticket to go with his girlfriend and was arrested. He pleaded guilty for armed robbery and was sentenced to five years of probation and he was forced to resign from the U.S. Marshals. Forty years went by and Richie got word of the CIA program and that it had tested LSD and other drugs on unwittingly citizens in his area or in San Francisco. He went on to file a lawsuit, but the court deemed the proof of Feldman's involvement as inadmissible, and he lost the lawsuit. So he lost his job. He was on five years of probation and a hefty fine because he, he was at a holiday party. Oh, my God. How fucked up. So did they ever go back and, like, take this off of his record? Do you know? Oh, we're, we're going to find I mean, this is 40 this. years later, so 1970 plus 40 is early 2000s, and they deemed it inadmissible. But that, it, I mean, it was word of mouth, but. I'm, I'm calling the government. So I just wanted to, like, throw out some, like, interesting stuff um, before I wrap it up. The Olsen family and oh. To recap real quick, Frank Olson was the one given LSD without knowledge. He jumped out of that 13-story window in New York City a week later. Um, the Olson family believes that he was murdered. They state he had became he had become a security risk to the classified CIA program, and he was murdered because of the information he had. And they especially believe this because just only a few days prior to him um, ending his life, he had went to resign from his position. That is crazy. Yeah, he was absolutely this is 100% like a murdered. Ray Rivera case. Like, that's yeah. insane. Um, another interesting thing is that there was a sub-project of MKUltra through the Navy, and it was called Sub-Project 54 Perfect Concussion Program. This this was supposed to use sub... I'm probably butchering this. Sub-oral oral frequencies... Sub-oral frequency blast to erase memory, but this program was never carried out, or at least that's what they say. 
Um, Just like time travel doesn't exist. The MK Ultra project coming to light led President Ronald Reagan to sign Executive Order 12333, which states that research with human subjects must require affirmative consent with documentation stating exactly what they were consenting to. Thank you, Ronald Reagan. Thank you for that, sir. Um, CIA records detailed mind control experiments on dogs, cats, mice with a cocktail of drugs and implementing electronic services. And they were also trying to create a super soldier. Records indicate this research. And they were doing so by studying electric fish who can zap each other with electricity. And they wanted to create a super soldier that can do the same thing that, like, an eel can do. Oh, my God. Very fucked up. That's insane. So, um, I know this is no conspiracy theory, though. At the time of it's happening, it was. I just felt it was important to discuss as I want, like, from here on out, I want to get into more government conspiracies. And I thought that this is something that would be best that we can pull from when we go back to the show, like, what the government is capable of hiding from the general public. Right. Because this was hidden for years. Years. People thought this was And like it a wasn't conspiracy. ended. It continued until they finally were like, fuck, we're busted. That's insane. And ended in quotations. Um, so, again, I figure this is something we could pull from when the time comes that we discuss extraterrestrial time travel, Project Looking Glass, the 20 and back programs, and one world government, Illuminati, that kind of shit. Honestly, it's kind of more of a true crime, but I hope you guys liked it. But I'm not done. Y'all thought I didn't have a conspiracy for you, but I do. Um, Just a quick one, but it's just something to think about while you guys are listening to Taylor's story. Actually, give full attention to Taylor's story because it's going to get fucking crazy. It's part two. Um, So this theory is that the government still does something very similar to this, but it is on children. Um, There are numerous reports, and this kind of ties into the 20 and back programs, which if you don't know what that is... I'd really like to touch on it. Um, it's kind of really far out there, but there's so much factual proof about the 20 and back that I think it's worth talking about and shining some light on it. But the theory that I want to kind of leave you guys thinking about is about government child testing. And people believe there are reports that this shit is still happening today. And either the government officials are contacting parents who need the money and they're like, look, give us your child um, for weeks at a time and we'll give you this some amount or they're taking them unknowingly. Um, Certain young adults now have reported that they are picked up during the night and they are returned in the morning and during their nighttime they are injected with drugs into the vein. They are unsure what they're setting them on, but they say that like the the drugs are the purpose of them not remembering it in the morning and them, they're kids. So they're kind of thinking like that was just a dream that I got picked up by these men in white lab coats, you know? Um, But some kids do remember it and, you know, they're taken home afterwards and in order, I mean, they try to forget what had happened and wake up as if it was a dream. I just said that anyway. um, So it's unsure what these children are getting tested for, but it makes you think child trafficking victims could they be? I mean, that is a huge issue currently. And let's talk about the ICE children. Oh, God. the detention ICE detention children. That's crazy. Thousands of kids have Thousands. gone missing. Where the fu- where the fuck are these? Do kids? they go? Well, dude, when I, when I was learning about the Andrew Basiago, all that like Project Pegasus and whatever mm-hmm. the other one name is, I can't remember right now. 
but basically it was all done on kids and they if with time travel and they started in the beginning using orphans before they got it figured out and like these kids were like literally emotionally yeah. physically hurt yeah, that's another thing foster kids yeah ex- exactly where are these are these kids really going to good homes or are they being picked up by these people that look like they're good but they really work for the cia right yeah yeah i think our government knows or is doing way more um obviously and yeah. again i just thought this was a good topic to talk about that way we can pull that they are fucking capable of hiding so much shit to exactly. us the general public and that's all I have. That is MK Ultra. I urge you guys to watch videos. There's still people who are still alive that were tested on, and there's some good YouTube documentaries on it. So go check them out. Um, that's all I got. Taylor, let's hear part two. Oh my god, let's dude. fucking do this shit. That I'm like literally so messed up right now in the head. I don't know that how well I'm gonna do this because I'm so. And why doesn't every fucking person in America know about MK Ultra? I literally had no idea about it, and y'all, I listened because of to the media. Because this. the media throws other shit in our face, and then on Facebook, you see like one conspiracy post, and then it gets fucking removed off Facebook. Yeah, they're like, Mm-mm, fake news, fake news. No, that shit isn't fake news. These are CIA documents. If we, we know how the this media is on the CIA website, you can tell from the case I'm about to tell. And everything I just said, I'm sure there is way more bullshit going on. Than what they had released, what we know about MK Ultra. No, there's a ton more, and it's just it's gonna take the courage of one person coming forward. But guess what? That person is probably gonna get murdered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ready for you. Okay, so I have gotten literal complaints about this. <laughs> They're like, "What the fuck did you do in part two? <laughs> Where's part two? Like, my little Bailey called me and she's like, um, hi, I'm on an eight-hour road trip and I need to know exactly what happened to Lacey Peterson right now. So, if you guys haven't listened to episode 10 already, you need to go and listen to episode 10 first before you listen to this part. Because this is part two of the murder of Lacey Peterson. So, all my sources I've already given you in the last episode. And so, I'm, I just want to do like a quick like, recap. So, the last thing I said to you was, Lacey was, I mean, amazing. So, what do we know? Lacey goes missing on, uh, she's eight months pregnant with their firstborn son. She's married to Scott Peterson. And she goes missing on December 24th, 2002. So, Christmas Eve. They think her husband is acting really weird from the beginning of this, and he's, like, refusing to talk to the media. It freaks the police out. There was a robbery next door um, the day that Lacey went missing. Police kind of tried to cover it up. It was a really weird situation. Um, Scott's got a girlfriend named Amber Fry who came forward to the police secretly. She started working with them by recording all the conversations that she was having with Scott Peterson. The media finds out about this, and they call the police, let them know before they release the photo so that they have time to tell the parents. So the police tell Lacey's parents. They are devastated. And his mother, I mean, I'm sorry, Lacey's mother asked, um, why did he have to kill her? Um, and then next, Amber speaks out publicly. Scott does the same after seeing Amber's bravery with it. He's not mad at Amber at all. He has no idea that Amber's in on this. And Scott does an interview with Diane Sawyer. And the last thing I said to you was in the interview, which changed the entire like, basically track of this case was Lacey was, I mean, is amazing. So, mm-hmm. past tense gets you every time, man. All right. So, this Diane Sawyer interview happened in January of 20... I'm sorry, not 20... 
2012. <laughs> I don't know why 2012 came to my head. Uh, 2003. So, so a year has gone by. Yeah, well, no, 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 not a year because she went missing on Christmas Eve of 2002. So then okay. it's like I'm uh, not even a month. Like, a oh, okay, weeks. okay. Yeah, I yeah. just heard 2002, 2003. Right, right, right. So now we're in February of 2003. February comes and goes. There are no leads, no new evidence, literally nothing. Um, February is really, really hard on the families because that was when Lacey's due date was for their son, Connor. Um, he was due on February 10th, 2003, which was supposed to be such an amazing day for this family. And it ended up being just some of the most devastating times of their life. March comes and goes just like February, nothing. And police just really aren't looking into any other leads. They've kind of let this robbery that happened across the street come and go. And they weren't looking to any other leads, which I'm going to come back in the very end and tell you what they should have been looking into. So. Because she is a detective. Because <laughs> I am the detective. So now we're in April. So it's April April 13th, 2003. And a couple is going on a walk with their dog um, in the San Francisco Bay. And they find the body of a baby that washed ashore. This is just north of Berkeley Marina, which is where What was Scott, the date again? This is April 13th, 2003. So two months after the due date. Yes. So they find this baby's corpse and this is just north of Berkeley Marina where they had already done a intense search gone where the warehouse is where I'm not sorry where not where the warehouse is where um he went fishing that day. Okay. So on April 14th, after doing a very intense search of the area, again, of the San Francisco Bay, which I want to preface this by saying, like, when they heard that there was a corpse that was found, they were like, there's no way that this is our bodies. Because there are a lot of bodies that wash ashore here from all over. And, I mean, it literally could just be like a boat wreck. Like, you can hear, you can look up right now San Francisco Bay bodies, and 32 will come up. Like, it's crazy. So, on April 14th, the day after they find the corpse of the um, baby, they are doing a very intense search of the area, and they find the body of a female just a mile away from where the baby washed up. And the two bodies that were found, one male, late-term fetus, um, with its umbilical cord still attached, and electrical tape wrapped around the neck of the fetus, and a piece of the electrical tape on the ear of the fetus, and the body of a female torso. No limbs, no head. So after testing, um, the bodies come back as a match for Lacey and Connor Peterson. So now it's April 18th, Good Friday, and four days after Lacey and Connor's bodies were ID'd. So Scott Peterson, he's not living in San Diego, but he's visiting with family down there. Um, on this, Like I said, it's Good Friday, four days after they're found and he was going to play golf with his family. And just like a fun fact, he was literally almost a professional golfer, like almost went pro. He was very, very good. But anyways, that's just a fun fact. So he's on his way to go to the golf course with his family when he notices that there are a few cars following him, which immediately he knew it had to be people from the media. So he calls his family and this is on record because they had his phone tapped. And he basically is like, 
hey, I'm being followed. I don't think it's a good idea that I show up. It's only been four days. I know that we all need this break, but like, I don't think it's a good idea for me to have pictures of me golfing right now. And so they're like, um, like you can hear in the recording, which you can look up and it's like, oh, brother Scott, I hate that for you. Like, I know you needed a break. I'm so sorry about that. Like, it's okay. We can reschedule. So like I said, he's thinking it's people from the media. So he says it's probably best that he doesn't go golf. It'd be a nightmare. And so Scott just continues driving around, trying to lose them because he just doesn't really want to be like in the spotlight right, right. now. Like his wife and his baby's bodies were just found. But at the same time, he doesn't want them to follow him to his family's house. He doesn't want them to follow them to the golf course because it's terrible. And then they don't, he doesn't want him following them to his family's house because it's like, He's trying to get away and, like, being able to, like, cope with this. And he just, like, isn't getting a break. So, he drives around in this red Mercedes. Like, okay, good try with not trying to be noticed. All right? So, he's driving around for what seems like forever. But he continues to have these people following him. And they're being, like, reckless. Like, being very intense. Like, pulling up beside him. Zooming around in the cars. Like, it's making him nervous. So, he's like, you know what? I I have to go somewhere. So, he goes to the, like, place where they were going to golf. He goes to the golf course. And he pulls in, and the lights come on in these cars. It's undercover cops behind him. They order Scott to get out of the vehicle. He gets out, and he's got a goatee, and his hair is bleached blonde. Scott? Scott's. Which, y'all, if you haven't looked at pictures or seen from episode 10's photos, his hair is, like, Jet black. And short. Yeah, and he's, like, very clean shaven. Yeah. So, his hair is bleach blonde. He's got a goatee. And he hops out. He's got his hair colored. His goatee grown out. He's got on a colored white shirt with a, like, navy pullover and golfing shorts with golfing shoes. Like, typical early 2000s golfing attire. And they arrest Scott on sight. They get into his car, and this is what they find. Camping gear, including a dagger, other ropes, tape, and knives. Uh, His brother's ID, hiking boots, $14,000 in cash, a shovel, Viagra, a picture of him and Lacey, and four cell phones. Because of what the police found in the car, the media media freaking runs with it. And they're reporting that Scott was running to the border, trying to color his hair so that he won't be seen. But the family's like, no, no. The cops knew that he colored his hair because he'd been in meetings and other and seen them since. He had colored it. But he colored it because he's like, I literally can't even pump gas without people like spitting on me or like calling the media. And so calling me a murderer. Right. And he's like, I'm being bombarded and I'm trying to like cope with all of this, yeah. right? So this is the explanation for what everything was in the car that Scott's family gives. So the cash, it was some money that Scott loaned his mother and she paid him back in cash literally the day before. But however, all everything was closed because it was Good Friday. So he couldn't go cash in. So he just kept it in his car because he wasn't staying anywhere permanent. Mm-hmm. So he just had it in his car. Um, for his brother, I, brother's ID, his brother was had a membership at wherever they were going to golf. So he was able to get a discount with it. And it's confirmed that his brother has a member there. And the third one, 
was the camping gear that was that big of a deal. And it was because he just like is an outdoorsman. Like he loves camping. He loves being outside. And he was planning on going on a little camping trip while he was in San Diego. And he also went to REI about a month before on March 16th and bought all this. So it was, you were able to see that was a brand new purchase. But like, even when they did the intense investigation of the house to do it, like claiming a crime scene, they completely, he had tons of stuff in there, but he couldn't go back into it because it was a crime scene. Right. So he couldn't even get all the stuff. So he probably had to go buy new stuff for it. So anyways, so let's take a moment, me and you, and discuss on here what the evidence they have and the situations that we know of up to this point. So we've got the media chasing him around. We've got, you know, the fact him that he, Diane Sawyer. Yep. Amber Fry. All this, so he's, like, got good things going for him. You know, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt of what he said on Diane Sawyer. Right. Because at that point, like, you haven't seen your wife in over a month. Right. And, yeah, you're going to talk about her in past tense. I mean, if the, if she hasn't came out at this point, like, or has been shown up at this point, like, I would, I would talk about. Some I would assume that she is dead you right. know and like that i don't think that that necessarily means that he did it and i don't know it's it's just so wrong because of the way that the media was portraying it to the public right and then also it's like he's just like a douche right like it, it is what it is like there's douche douches back. yeah you know like that just is what it is so you know everything that we've discussed up to this point Basically, there's just literally nothing that they could use to prove that he killed his wife, disposed of the body, covered it up, and... I'm still on the people that robbed the neighbor's house. Exactly. And also, there's just no... Like, other than his brand new relationship with Amber that's literally five weeks old, there's honestly no motive. Yeah. Like, literally no motive. There's not a single time in his entire life on any school record anywhere that he... That could suggest... Don't know why I just slurred saying that. Suggest. Well, probably because we're three drinks deep <laughs> or two, whatever it whatever is. Whatever it is. Extra um, shots. That he has there. ever been violent, like ever in his life. So, I mean, it's just, it's just like a shot in the dark if he did this. You know, like, am I saying that people don't just snap one day? No. People snap. I, yeah, like, absolutely. People it happens. just fucking snap. And like mental illness can show it. It's like face at any point in your life. It doesn't have to be when you're younger. You well, know, like, usually 20 to 30s. Right, and so, like, it could, you know, I'm not saying that he didn't kill his wife. I'm just saying up to this point, there's no hard evidence that could literally say that he for sure, no doubt about it, murdered his wife. And he's not a mastermind killer. So even if he did murder his wife, you would think that they would have had to have found some little bitty. Something. Like, there's no way he had a clean kill. Right, there's no way. And, like, unless he's the smartest person in the entire world that tricked the entire system and still got fucked. Right. Then, I mean, there's just no way. Right, I agree. So, despite the lack of evidence, on April 21st, 2003, Scott Peterson was charged with two felony counts of murder with premeditation and special circumstances. He pleaded not guilty. Because of the media's involvement, they decided that it would be best to move the trial from Modesto, 50 miles away, to Redwood, California. Which, honest to God, was probably a terrible idea because where is the media hub? San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Redwood is literally right outside of San Francisco. So you have it to where literally... Stories in San Francisco. Exactly. Where everything is like 
forming, where all the drama right. is always, right. you're moving it closer to there. No, 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 no. Move it, it south. Yeah, literally move it south, move it like east, get, get it the hell out of California. But no, they didn't. They moved it there. But Morgan, when I tell you, everyone in the U.S. knew about Lacey's murder and Scott's affair. It basically was impossible to have a fair trial for Scott. Right. Literally impossible. So the trial began on June 1st, 2004. The prosecution opens up the trial saying that Lacey was murdered on December 23rd, 2002. So overnight, Scott cleaned up the house, loaded her body into the bed of the truck, before taking her body to the marina and dumping it in the water the next day while he's in his 15-foot fishing boat. They continued to walk them through the morning of Christmas Eve, saying that he used the computer to look up the umbrella and the gap scarf that I mentioned in the last episode in order to cover up his tracks before leaving. No coffee, no TV, no morning conversation with Lacey about what her plans were for the day. No mopping because they say he had already murdered her at this point. And they claimed that his motive for all of this was that he wasn't ready to be a father. So then the defense comes in, and they have their opening argument. And honestly, they just call it how it is in theirs. They're like, Scott is... I've read all of the, like, court documents on it, all of the transcripts from it, just to make sure. Oh, yeah, you've been writing your notes for fucking four weeks. (laughs) For four weeks in a row, literally. (laughs) In this case... She's like, sorry, still typing up notes. I'm like, yeah. That was two hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the defense says their opening argument, and like I said, they just call it how it is. They say Scott is, like, a cheating bastard who is a douchey attitude person and just, like, isn't super, super personable or super nice. But he's just not a murderer. And then they play the actual episode from the Today Show where Martha Stewart is literally... No, just wait. Where Martha Stewart is literally making lemon meringue cookies, bitch. So they're like... So they're like, so tell us how he's going to murder his wife, put her in the bed of the truck, watch the Today Show, and then go dump her body. Like, what man do you know turns on the Today Show? Right. He did that Martha for Stewart. his wife. Yeah, exactly. He was Which means watching. he loves his motherfucking wife. Which means no one does that unless you love them. Literally, I could rip Logan out of the bed, beg him to watch Good Morning America with me that I do every morning, and he's going to be like, I'm sorry, I never sleep. sleep paralysis. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, we're going to get that at the end of the story. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to talk about it. Yeah. So... They're like, no way that he did this. So, y'all, the defense is doing amazing the entire time. Like, literally unraveling the entire prosecution's case by giving the exact timeline of the computer activity. Like, literally, that's what threw this whole case. I know I mentioned it in the last episode about the Gap sweater, I'm sorry, the Gap scarf and the umbrella stand. But that wasn't even, no one knew about that. Not even Scott until the actual trial. Because they had a computer computer analytics specialist come in and give the exact times of everything that was on there. And he was he had, took an oath, gets on the stand, and he was actually brought on by the prosecution. And they get on there and they're like, so tell us about the time where Scott wasn't using his computer. And so the defense gets up to question him. They're like, well, was there any computer activity at the house or any other computer activity that you came across? And they're like, the man's like, well, actually, yeah, there was this scarf that was looked up at 8.45. And do you, and so they're like, well, um, 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 and they're like, well, isn't, aren't you saying that Lacey was dead at this point? And then they're like, um, um, 
Uh, well, I mean, he could have done that to cover his tracks. What fucking man? None of them can look up a goddamn what is it? A gap scarf? A gap scarf? And this and the reason that everyone doesn't so, know what fucking gap is exactly, but it's so specific because of the sunflowers on the umbrella stand. She had told her friends that she wanted this, so like it, this is literally no way around this at this point. So. They unravel this entire case by the prosecution, and there's just no way in hell that she could have been murdered on the 23rd. There's no way. And the police have been claiming this the entire time. No, Scott Peterson murdered Lacey Peterson on the day before Christmas Eve, and the entire day on the 24th, he lied to everybody, and she was not alive, even though there are literally people that saw her walking the damn dog. Yeah, there's no way. So this caused the prosecution to have to change their entire case. This is literally unheard of, y'all. Like at what? I mean, at that point, they should have said, "Okay, I mean, case closed. Case closed. Not question mark. Like you're not guilty. So everything's looking great for them. But they're trying everything to fucking pin it on him. Right. So everything's looking great for Scott Peterson. The defense is doing an amazing job until. The recordings of Amber Fry in Scott Peterson's phone calls are brought up by the prosecution, which the defense had no idea about. Oh, yeah. Because the only people that knew were the cops and mm-hmm. Amber Fry. Amber Fry. So they pull out these, and the first thing that Scott Peterson and his defense attorneys get is the transcripts. Now, on the transcripts, it just doesn't look that bad because it's just like mm-hmm. conversation. But when you hear it, it's bad. Because, like, we know in these phone calls, his wife had just been murdered, his unborn first son. And he's, I'm in Paris. He's saying he's in Paris. And what it does specifically for the jury is it shows how easy it was and how good Scott is at lying. So, this moment is the downfall. Of Scott Peterson. The defense literally tried every single thing they could. Even trying to dump a 150 pound bag of rocks in the shape of a body out of the same exact 15 foot fishing boat without flipping it was literally impossible. I mean, it flipped multiple times. The man that was doing it literally almost drowned three times. But guess what? The judge would not let it be brought in court. Why? It was inflammatory. Whatever the hell that means. But at Lexi this point. Green, let us know. <laughs> Lexi Green, will you tell us what that means? So <clears throat> this, honestly, it just got so botched at this point. Like the prosecution is like using evidence from tracker dogs that literally failed their test. Like aren't even certified that said that they got Lacey's um, scent at Berkeley Marina. But it also could have been a case of cross-contamination because anything that they gave him, gave the dogs that smelled like Lacey... Was from the home. Was from the house where Scott Peterson is her husband and lives with her. Yeah. And has for years. So, despite all of this, all right, on November 12, 2004, Scott Peterson was convicted of first-degree murder for the death of Lacey Peterson and second-degree murder of the death of Connor Peterson and sentenced to death. They appealed in 2012 and just mainly to bring, like, they brought up a lot of things. They brought up a lot of things, but the main few were 
the jury turnover turnover was crazy. Like the media was definitely involved in this. Um, people were having to get thrown out of this jury because they knew too much, and it was coming up. Later. Well, how did any juror really not know? They what was didn't. Going That's on. the point. Even in the OJ trial, dude, they were like put up in like um, hotels that bring some people that live off grid with exactly. no contact no contact no television you're not supposed to talk to your family you're not supposed to look at the news you're not supposed to have anything and all these people had this still on top of it all and on the other side of it you have literally nancy grace out here which y'all if you know anything about this case you know that she was all over it and had everything to do with it and you had her on here being like i don't care scott peterson did it scott peterson did it scott telling millions of people that millions of people so He's sentenced to death. They appeal it, like I said. And another thing that they brought up, which sentenced to death, sentenced to death in California. So they have death sentence still. It gets turned over eventually. So they appealed this in 2012. I said brought up all these things, but one thing very interesting to me that is one thing I've always remembered about this case is the way that the media painted and the prosecution painted Modesto. California. So they painted it as this like small, quaint town that was like, you could leave your doors unlocked. And, you know, that's just the way it was. But in reality, like, this was a hub for drug use, robbery, gangs, gang violence, like a lot of stuff. But you never would have known this. So people are like, man, like, you just painted this place to be like the most like fairy tale, magical place to be. And in reality, like, there's a lot of issues in this town, and in reality, Lacey literally could have been abducted. So, here's my main point of saying this part about Modesto. From 1999 to 2002, when Lacey was abducted, or murdered, or whatever, 17 pregnant women went missing within an 80-mile radius of Modesto, California. 17. Pregnant. Pregnant women. Well, Scott Peterson did them all. That's what exactly. That's what the media would so tell people you. People at that point that was brought up into the case. Literally, oh shit, it, that where, was just fucking around. Y'all. No, no, like that was serious. <laughs> like when where he wherever he went to college, there was a case of a woman that had gone missing, and they literally tried to pin this on him. And he's like, I literally ha- like, yeah, we were there at the same time, but like, I have no idea who this girl is. Like, I had no idea about this case even. So, obviously, they are like, no. Whoever is doing it is like, I'm a lucky son of a bitch. Right. So, like, Scott, Scott Peterson's like, no, I didn't. Whatever. So, when I watched this um, whole trial over again during quarantine on the Hulu thing that came out about it. Specifically, there was this one lady that was eight months pregnant and disappeared six months after Lacey did. Her name was Evelyn. You can look up that case. But... In this documentary I'm watching, at the very, it wasn't at the very end, but it was like closer to the end, they bring this lady on, and she tells, she, which she reported this to police, on Christmas Eve of 2002, so December 24th, 2002, the same day that Lacey Peterson went missing, she was eight months pregnant, and she was in her shop that she owned, when two men began following her, standing outside. Two walking, men? Two men. Began following her, walking in and out of her store, and even tried to kidnap her. She calls the police. There's literally the 911 recording of it. They have the records of when she called her husband, or not her husband, her partner and her family about it. 
And I mean, and they never looked into this. So back to when I was telling you there was February and March of just like stagnant, nothing. They knew about this and the police were not looking into these leads. So even when I said that there was no leads, that's what they were telling the public. But in reality, it comes out afterwards that all these people have reported all these missing pregnant women. Pregnant women just don't go missing. Right. It's they the don't. government that wants their kids. Oh, oh okay. MK Ultra. <laughs> but literally, like, that's what I'm saying. So on August 24th, 2020, so literally just a few months ago, in a 7-0 to zero decision, the Supreme Court of California upheld... Scott Peterson's conviction of two counts of murder. However, they did overturn his death sentence because Peterson's trial judge, Alfred DeLucci, had died on February 26, 2008. So literally right after, not right after, but like four years after the original trial. It turns out he had dismissed jurors who opposed any, like, who literally didn't agree with the death penalty. They... He told them, okay, no, you cannot be in this jury because you do not agree with the death penalty. So, that's illegal. Newsflash to everybody. That's completely illegal. Just like it's illegal for people to know what's going on with the case while they're in the jury. So, all in all, I don't know where I stand with Scott Peterson. Do I think that they had enough? Do I think he's innocent? No. Do I... But do I think they had enough evidence to convict him of murder? No. No. Do I think he should be... Well, he's not on death row anymore, but do I think he should have been put on death row originally? Absolutely not. No, I agree. I mean, I think that it's very shitty that he is a compulsive liar, but Mm -hmm. I know compulsive liars and aren't killers. Right. It is. is My husband's a compulsive liar. (laughs) I am a compulsive (laughs) liar. Lurgan is also a compulsive liar. Taylor is also. Taylor is also a compulsive liar. Okay, but no, I'm just kidding, guys. But I think it's. I think that, like, if that was their evidence, like, obviously the case had gotten completely overturned until they brought in what's her face? Amber Fry. Amber Fry. And they were like, look, he is a liar. He's stating he's in fucking Paris while he's at his wife's vigil light. Exactly. Or what's it called? Vigil. 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 <laughs> it's Sorry. okay. Morgan's kind of drunk uh, during really, my story. I'm really fucked up. I, I asked her not to ask. I, <laughs> I asked her not to bring me in on this, but here's my take, guys. Um, no, I think that he is, yes, a liar. <laughs> He's a liar. Taylor, can you just finish? Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank God. Because Morgan Morgan's a little drunk. She's sleeping here tonight. Nobody worry. So... I don't know where I stand with Scott Peterson. Morgan doesn't know where she stands. Do I think he should have been convicted of murder? Absolutely not. Do I think that the police kind of botched this case because of the media's involvement? Absolutely. Now, there there's a murderer on the loose. Now, Of pregnant women. Of pregnant women. That's now, fucked up. I mean, literally, this person had to have been just laughing their ass off at the police at this point in time. So, all of this to say... Lacey Peterson deserves justice. Now, do I think that putting her husband in jail was the, or I'm sorry, not jail, fucking prison, was... And on death row. And on death row was the solution to this? Absolutely not. Now, that's just my opinion. There's plenty of people that go back and forth with the Scott Peterson trial. And look, his family could be lying about every single one of these things to cover up their sons, brothers, cousins, whatever, 
track of like him murdering his family because that's terrible. But like at the same time, like there's nothing, there's no hardcore physical evidence that proves that he did it. No. And yeah, he could be the smartest person in the world or the biggest dumbass in the world. But all in all, you know, I guess you have to trust the system at this point to hope that we didn't put away a completely innocent man. But that is the story of Lacey Peterson's murder. I don't think he did it. I think it was the two neighbors. The, not the two neighbors. The people the that robbed. <laughs> not, the, not the two neighbors. I think it was the two guys that robbed the neighbor's house. Me too. But Especially because that pregnant woman was like, dude, you guys are fucking trying to kidnap me. Right. So what the fuck? I need, I, I need to go. I never went back because I just didn't have time at the end of the day. Today's been a really, really long, long, long day. Um, but I didn't get to go back because I really wanted to go back and listen to the woman's account and see if she was able to give any of, like, hardcore, like, testimony from it. Like, what car were they in? What car did they drive off in? What did the people look like? Because if they matched the identity of the people that robbed the house across the street from the Petersons, like, then they did it. You know, right. and, and they were robbing that house when all that fucking media was in the yard. That's impossible. That's right. she did air quotes with that, y'all. But I, I <laughs> forgot you guys can't see me. <laughs> You'll get to see us eventually. All in all, that's the case, and it's just mind blowing. So thank you guys so much for being a part of this two parter, my very first two parter. I greatly appreciate it. I know this is a lot of information. If you guys are interested in it, please go look at the Hulu docu- documentaries. There's some on Netflix. But eventually what we're going to get to, I say all of this with the Scott and Lacey Peterson trial because eventually I thought I could, I know this, I would, I refused to cover the Chris Watts case before covering the Scott Peterson case because it's almost a freaking copycat it's almost a copycat so all of that to say i don't know that scott peterson did it i know for sure that chris watts did it but um you guys are open to your own opinion please dm us about what you believe send us an email to creeps Let us podcast who you think at gmail.com and that's that's it for this episode. Do you have anything That's, else to say? Are we going to talk about your dream? No, 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 no. We're going to save that for the beginning of the next episode because this is a long intro. Two and long it's stories. probably the best idea to cut me off the mic and try again fresh next week. Yeah, we'll do this next week. <laughs> or actually just to hold you guys off because I've never had sleep paralysis in my entire life until literally two nights ago. Bum, bum, so Spoiler. Was it two nights ago? It was last night. Oh, it was last night. Today's been really long. I've said it a hundred times. Well, it is almost fucking Wednesday now at this point. It's 1147. Okay, in 15 minutes, it'll be... Two days ago. Two days ago. So, I'm going to maybe open it up next week with it, or we might save it for a creepy account. Oh, yeah. That might be a good idea. That could be so, fun. We'll let you guys know about it. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. If you guys have your own creepy account that you want to send in, please send it to Creeps and Crimes Gmail. Tree, nope. Crazy See, <laughs> I told you I'm not the only one. It's a few drinks in. Shut up. <laughs> so, creepsandcrimespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can DM them to us at on Instagram at creepsandcrimespodcast. My personal one is Taylor J with an A. <laughs> Mine is morg.m with double the G. <laughs> double the G. So, I'm going to put Morgan to bed. And yeah, <laughs> you guys have yeah. a great rest of your day. Hope you guys enjoyed a glass of wine with us or some cruise. No, with wait, us. let's talk about that real fucking quick. Oh, For God. some reason, we started this podcast like, yeah, it's going to be super cool. We're going to talk about creeps. We're going to talk about crime. And then we're going to drink some wine. 
Tell me why I've drank in multiple shots of vodka in my drink a mixed with fucking seltzers. What happened to the wine? We're trying to lose weight. Okay. <laughs> That's what happened. Wine. Okay. By the time you guys see us on camera, we better be snatched. Oh, yeah. Snatched. Wait for it. Full Wait fucking for it. 360. Okay, maybe give us a few more months. See you bitches then. Okay. All right. Thanks. Sign off. Bye. Bye.